we, we decided fundamentally that like, it's really expensive to keep doing advertising at the scale that we're doing it. It's frustrating that the minute that we stop paying for it, it goes away. It's frustrating that the only way to get in front of people is to interrupt them. And so like, let's just change the whole thing. That was Mark DeCristina from MailChimp, and these are the Brandwagon Interviews. Welcome to Brandwagon, everyone. Super excited to have Mark DeCristina here from MailChimp today. Mark, I think you might be our first guest on the show. Do you know that? I didn't know that. Pretty exciting. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I have to say, this outfit is <laughs> incredible. You've outdone yourself. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. I, I hadn't noticed that you were wearing the exact same outfit, but um, but you look really, really good. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. It's a sharp outfit. <laughs> I'm excited to talk to you about brand. I'm excited to talk to you about marketing. I'm also excited to talk to you about uh, Taqueria del Sol. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, Do you still I go there? I will talk about Taqueria del Sol for like an hour. Do you still Let's go there go. every Monday? Uh, I go there more than... Yeah, at least every Monday, I would say. Yeah. Really I was actually there. Yesterday was Monday, and I was there. You were On there? On my way to the airport, I went to Taqueria del Sol. What would you have? Yeah. Um, I, so I was in a rush, so I had to go to the counter. You can only order four items at the counter, which by myself is plenty. But I got... Uh, <laughs> so did you get three items? or? Oh, no, I got four. <laughs> <laughs> I got a fish taco, a, a fried t- chicken taco, two fried chicken tacos, and a Memphis, which is like sort of barbecue pork. Are they like spicy. small? Yeah, they're pretty small. Or are they giant? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have four giant yeah. tacos? Or I mean, four is like a pretty healthy amount, but it's they're they're on the small side. Okay. Yeah. Have you been to Taqueria? Have we? I have not been there, but I've heard through the grapevine that you are a quite wow. a fan. Yeah. No, I'm I'm obsessed with it and have been for like ten years. That's amazing. Yeah. That yeah. kind of obsession. What do you think? Is it just like the qualities of the service? Like, what is it about Taqueria del Sol that just um, is so good? <laughs> Uh, man, it's everything. I, they, they have a reputation for being um, pretty, uh, uh, for being rude. So they have all these rules. Like the line is always out the door. Okay. Because it's counter service. So you go up and order at the counter and then sit down. Okay. So if you try to sit down before you order or you try to have someone in your party go sit at a table, they will, they will you tell out. you to get up. Even if you're elderly, even if you have like a two-year-old child, they'll be like, that is not your seat. You need to order. And even though the line's going out the door, the door has to be closed. So, um, so people will like stand there propping the door open while the AC is like blowing yeah. out. And, and be they like, come over and they're like, no. Close the door. It's so funny because I feel like in counter service restaurants, if you don't actually sit down in advance, everyone yeah. can always sit and it's fine. Yeah. But if, if one person does, yeah. it's screwed up. But I've yeah. never been in a restaurant where they actually ban that. Well, it's ama- well, that's the thing that's amazing. And what I love is that people who you know, have never been there before or have only been there a few times they get really irritated about these rules, but they're actually really amazing and they make the whole thing run really fluidly and beautifully. And even though there's like, you know, sometimes 50 people in line sneaking out to the parking lot, there's always somewhere to sit. It's, it's pretty awesome. That's awesome. And yes, the, the, the tacos are all simple, but they're um, super consistent. They're delicious. I, mean, I really could like talk about it. <laughs> Cheese dip is insane. That's amazing. And it's like, I don't know. I just never get tired of it. Like I, I, I sometimes wonder, like, when am I going to get tired of eating this food? Did they change? Like, did they change up the tacos, or is there just like enough so variety? So every week there's a special taco. Okay, there's that a seems special, important. Um, or like a seafood special. 
Um, so they have they have a few new things every week. Okay. But even those are like rotate. Like it's very rare that they're like whole new taco. We've never done this before. Like the even the specials are like on a. Oh, you know what's coming up next. You don't know what's coming up next. They actually send any, a, a, a newsletter, believe it or not, every Monday or late Sunday night with the weekly specials. And uh, yeah, it's like literally the first thing I check. <laughs> <laughs> on Monday, I'm like, what do we have? And, uh, yeah, I mean, they have a. Every once in a while, they have like a um, spice, like a hot chicken, okay. like Nashville hot chicken style okay. taco. It's incredible. Black bean enchiladas are like the ultimate chef special. Like that. Doesn't come around that often, but it's it's the best. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm curious what else you're gonna ask me. <laughs> um, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Florida, um, in uh, a little town called Gulf Breeze, which is near Pensacola on the um, the Panhandle. So west west Florida, I guess. Okay. Close to Destin, which is where oh, Destin, a lot yeah. of people in the South vacation. Okay. Um, beautiful beaches. Not a whole lot else going on. So I was ready to leave after high school. Um, I was actually born in Boston, though. So I'm, oh, cool. Yeah, so I'm, I, uh, um, all of my family is still in, in Massachusetts. And you, are, you were just here on Cape Cod, is that right? I was, yeah, last week. And now you're going to a retreat, is yeah. that correct? <laughs> I am going to a, a retreat in North Adams in western Massachusetts, like, uh, yeah, this afternoon. I'm and, not sure what to expect. And is it true that you're going to be foraging for vegetables and such? Yeah, I'm going to be foraging for vegetables. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be doing a tie-dye workshop. I think we're making tea out of the vegetables we forage. Yeah, it's, it should be. Um, I feel like I'm going to come back a, a changed man. Yeah, that, it seems like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time to sit down with us yeah. on your way to foraging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, tell me your story. Like, how did you end up at Mailchimp? What has that experience been like? I mean, you've you've been at Mailchimp from I think it was from fifteen employees to mm-hmm. yeah a thousand. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I started uh, just over ten years ago, June of two thousand nine, and I mean, it was sort of a fluke that I ended up there. I was working at an independent music magazine. My wife and I had just had a baby, our first. Um, she was four months old. We found out we were pregnant again, which we were not um, excited about. <laughs> we were surprised. Yeah, surprise. okay. yeah, but it was you like know. not like yeah. We we were still in the throes of like you know yeah, four months first old baby is, yeah real like deal. not sleeping yeah, yeah and then we were pregnant again. Yeah, and it was um, that seems stressful. It was, yeah, it was super stressful. So the the magazine was um, it was a great it was a really fun job, but it uh, didn't make any money. And so it was um, sort of on the brink of going away. Um, so in the midst of the you know, stress at home, I was about to lose my job. And so I, I really needed to figure out how to find work that was like, you know, just going to be a little bit more sustainable. And I was interested in working at an, like an early stage tech company. But I mean, email was not like the thing that I was like thinking was going to be a a super exciting, you know, career choice. Uh, and at the time, in 2009, email marketing was not sort of what it is today. I mean, it, had, it was more associated with like with spam and bad actors and stuff. And so I remember telling my friends and family I was going to work at at this email marketing company, and they're like, "Sounds a little bit sketchy," you know, you know. Um, but I met Ben and Dan. They seemed really interesting and really cool, and the the company was doing really well. It was, you know, very different than other tech companies uh, in the sense that it was, you know, totally bootstrapped. There was no there was no investment, and they were profitable, and that was that was interesting. And so my plan was like, okay, I can get a job that will be a little bit more stable while I figure out, you know, what I really want to do. And it 
I realized pretty quickly that like Mailchimp was a very interesting place to be. And um, three months after I started at Mailchimp, we launched our free plan and we changed to this freemium business model, which um, which was a really exciting thing to be a part of because nothing like that had been done in the email industry before. Um, so it sort of it changed the whole landscape and the business like completely blew up and it was a it was a pretty fun. fun what did that feel on. like? I mean, you just had gone obviously stressful moment in your life, and it all now I'm sure looking back, very exciting. Yeah, you know, but yeah. like there's a lot of stress. You join this new company, you're excited about it. Feels like it's doing things differently. Then they launch a free plan. It really starts to take off. Yeah, like a crazy. What What did that feel like in that moment? Like, seems like you had probably six months that went from tons of stress. Like, wait a second, am I at like yeah, am I at a rare like, yeah one of the best yeah. companies yeah. It did feel a little bit like that, but it was still um, it was still so small. So like we were having tremendous success, but there were still like not that many people there. We were not the biggest company in the space oh, by yeah. a long shot. Yeah. I mean, there were lots of other companies that were much bigger than us uh, that were much more well funded than we were. So it was it was really exciting, but it was hard to see at the time, like just how far it would go or how big it would get. Um, but yeah, it was it was really exciting. And how did you think, I mean, how did you think about competing with those bigger companies? Because a lot of those companies, um, I'm trying to think back, it's like Constant Contact, Exact Target, a bunch of companies that had raised a lot of money or mm-hmm. were public or about to go public. Mm-hmm. Um, way more money, way bigger teams. Mm-hmm. You all are small, 15 people when you joined. Yeah. How do you, how did you think about competing with them back then? And is that, did that work? Like, mm-hmm. how did that turn out? Yeah, yeah. So we were, we were not going to be able to compete with them, sort of by playing their game. And so our approach, and this is really credit to Ben, our our uh, CEO and co-founder, was to be as different as we possibly could, and to sort of use our weakness as a strength, and to say, like, you know, there's no way that we can outspend these companies. There's no way that we can sort of compete with them on a dollar for dollar basis. So what do we have? Well, we have this weird name. We have this sort of appetite for just being weird and different and playful. And we also have a sort of philosophically, we believe that like creating a connection with people is going to be a really powerful tool for us. And so even though we're in sort of a B2B brand, I like to say like bees are made of C's. (laughs) <laughs> like they're made, like they're made yeah, of people, people, consumers, yeah. you know, and like, and Mailchimp was, um, even though we were were a business product, it's self serve. It's you know, people are doing it themselves, and there's very low friction in terms of the sales process, and it was a free account. So it was like, why don't we, why don't we just make this experience delightful for people? Um, it doesn't really cost very much money at all, and it worked really, really well. And I think there was a a really interesting combination of things that happened for MailChimp. One of it was definitely, one of them was the business model and the fact that we were able to offer this sort of free plan, which was so different. So created this tremendous word of mouth structure for us where, I mean, so much of our growth came from other people, from people telling other people about about MailChimp. Um, Our technology was better. There was so much less friction in the experience. Um, And we had a brand on top of all of it that was like, you know, a little bit different and playful and sort of treated the experience like, you know, we know that this isn't going to be the most fun part of your day. So um, we're not going to try to pretend that like 
you love doing email marketing, you want to stay in MailChimp all day. Like let's let's just let's acknowledge that and like let's make it fun while you're there. It's so interesting because I think today, you know, MailChimp is quite large, um, at least compared to us. And as I think of, you know, the startup world, people think of MailChimp as this like giant success with tons of money. And sometimes yeah. it's like the critique. Yeah. And I think everyone forgets like the way that you all got to be where you are is yeah. because you didn't have that money yeah. and you didn't have the resources yeah. and actually you're profitable and you're sitting there and it's like, yeah. we can be different and we can be creative and we can yeah. take risks probably yeah. that no one else can take, yeah. which is why we're going to do that. Yeah. When I think about the MailChimp brand, it's been constantly evolving and so you want to pay attention to it because it's constantly evolving and it's oh you've always been able to take risks. I mean, yeah. there's so many risks, the billboards, there's a million advertising campaigns we can talk about, the hats, like, and it seems like that's that's actually stayed true as you've gotten bigger, right? It has, yeah. And in fact, we have what we what we began to learn and uh, sort of had insight about as we got bigger was that um, Mailchimp. I mean, Mailchimp sort of a at least my role at Mailchimp is kind of meta, which is and it's similar to you. Like you're making videos about making videos. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I'm like marketing, marketing. And so yeah. we realized uh, at some point that. Um, not only were we making the Mailchimp brand, but we had an opportunity to be to be sort of a role model for other companies and be like, we want to show other people how how to be successful. And a big part of that, we believe, is like by staying true to yourself, by finding what makes you different in a meaningful way, and leaning really hard into that. And in fact, as you get bigger, I think the temptation is to sort of pull back from that or to sort of water things down. And we've actually felt more emboldened and felt like we're actually going to go the other direction. And as we get bigger. Like we can take bigger risks. That's awesome. And, um, and so the biggest ad campaign we ever did was about this idea of like being being yourself, like celebrating that, and and being as much of yourself as you can. Is this the the male shrimp? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kale yeah. lip jail blimp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the idea is just like you know, be true to yourself, and that that's good for business. Like it's not just that it's you know silly or. Um, you know, vain or like, you know, we just have all this money to burn and we're just like, you know, yeah. swimming in money. It's like, no, actually that's really a powerful business tool to say, we're going to stand out. I mean, there's like people are, have tons of choices. And if you're not standing out in a way that's meaningful for people or creating some sort of experience for people, I feel like you're leaving a lot on the table. So when you did that campaign, that was, I feel like the campaign stood out to me. It was based off of the serial ad where people Miss said, mm-hmm. uh, Mailchimp, yeah. right? Yeah, Mailchimp, 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 Mailchimp. Yeah, yeah. And then it's also the moment that you disclosed how well the company was doing, right? Mm-hmm. It all kind of like came together in one moment. It's like, hey, everyone doesn't really know how we're doing. We may feel small, but actually, yeah, we're doing really well. Yeah, it's like the opposite of Silicon Valley in terms of like we raised no money, we're very profitable, yeah, and growing very fast. It says it doesn't makes people's heads spin. Yeah, and doing that by being unique. It's all like really powerful, and I, I what I'm wondering is when you're taking those types of risks, when you're take when you're deciding to disclose how the company is doing, when you're deciding to market other names that rhyme with Mailchimp, which is, you know, seems like yeah. lunacy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how did those risks feel to the risks you're taking when you were 20 people? I mean, they feel bigger, and so in a way, they feel like. There's just more writing on it because yeah. the, all of the number there's more zeros. And, yeah, <laughs> you know, there's we're, we feel like we're on a bigger stage, but yeah. um, but at the same time, it also felt like if we weren't doing that, if we weren't getting that feeling in our gut of like 
I'm not total. I think this is amazing, but I don't totally know how this is going to go. Then like it didn't feel, it didn't feel truthful. And I think that was the thing. Like we worked with our agency for a long time to come to that. Like it was really hard to get to that point. And I think part of the reason was it was really hard for us to crack the basically how to take, how to kind of bottle up all of the sort of feeling of what we had done when we were really small and do it on such a big stage, sort of taking such a big swing. I mean, we had a, and and so, I mean, the agency had brought us all kinds of different ideas and we had been through round and round and round of creative concepts and we just kept feeling like this isn't, this feels like advertising. Like it may be good advertising, but it feels like, it just feels like something, it feels packaged, it feels like something a brand would do and we want to do something more daring. And we finally landed on that concept and you know, our account manager or account director at the time, like pulled me aside in one, in a, like after a meeting and was like, I just have to say this feels borderline reckless. Yeah. Like <laughs> we feel really uncomfortable with like, you know, sort of <laughs> saying that you that's, should do that's this. That's pretty wild. Yeah. And honestly, like that was the moment where we felt like, okay, this yeah. feels, okay, we've gotten there. We finally, this feels, finally feels good to us. It's just so interesting because I think when companies get bigger, especially like SaaS businesses, there's just so many numbers. It yeah. seems like you can track everything, you can test everything. Yeah. And I think there's this temptation, at least I've spoken to many folks who come in, they see where we are, and they're like, well, why don't you just run some tests to decide what to do? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, if you just run tests, like you can never, you're inherently not pushing yourself to get that feel. You're, you're doing that to remove the feeling from your gut yeah. of fear. Yeah. When actually I think that fear is the sign yeah. You're doing anything big or worthwhile, which of course in the early days it's the only thing you got. Yeah, there's no yeah. there's no data. Right, just figuring it out. Yeah, it's just so interesting because I think it's one of those things that's so easily forgotten mm-hmm. in our world today when you can track everything. It's like yeah. if you don't feel it in your gut, you're probably not pushing hard enough. Yeah, and some things are some things are hard to track too, or they take longer to track. And so if if everything you do is a, like a you know a split test, you know you may never you know you may never actually try. The weird thing, or yeah. go far enough away from, a uh, far enough out. You know, yep. like we like to. One of our sort of guiding principles has always been, from a brand perspective, to like, we like going out into deep water. Yeah. Like we like the idea of being in a place where no one else is gonna, like no one else can follow us. Yeah. Like that to us feels really good. Like what could we do that would be so wild that like no one, like even if they wanted to do it, like there's no way they could do it. Like that, that's exciting. Yeah. That, that makes me feel like we're doing something cool. That's awesome. Yeah. When you think about a brand and the components of a brand, what, what goes into a brand? Well, I feel like the brand is, is just sort of like your reputation. It's how people feel about you. So in some ways, um, very real ways, like it doesn't belong to you at all. It's actually like exists in the minds of other people. And the best that you can do is to sort of influence that in a positive way and have as much control over that perception of how people feel yeah. as possible. So like a really good brand, I, I say, there's not much distance between like the way you think about yourself and the way other people think about you. But you can probably think of lots of companies that like, you know, like to talk about their brand as being X, Y, and Z. And you ask any person on the street like what they think and it's like very, di- <laughs> very yeah. different. Yeah. And like that's the brand, how other people think. and so. That's one thing. The other thing I would say is like, it's everything. I mean, I have branded my title and I work on the lots of the sort of intangible sort of emotional aspects of 
what people what people think of as the Mailchimp brand. But I mean, the brand is every experience that people have and every touch point. So it's like our support team, it's our product, it's the way the product works, it's how quickly they can get you know help when they need it. It's everything. So like in some ways, I feel like I I get to I get to work on a lot of fun stuff, and I get to you know a lot of what I do becomes sort of what people think about when they think about Mailchimp, but you know, if our support sucks or our product sucks, like, you know, making cool videos is not going to like solve that. It's not going to solve that. And how do you think about the intangible values of your brand versus the tangible? I feel like yeah. I know you have some interesting thoughts here. Yeah, I, I just, I think that there are, um, for any brand, there are like tangible and intangible benefits. The tangible things are typically like the functional benefits, how it works, the, the features of your product. And that's where most B2B brands live. That's where they all live. Yeah. yeah. Um, Here's my new feature. Yeah. This is why it's faster. Yeah. This is why it's better. Yeah. And a lot of consumer products do too. But I think when you think about a brand or you think about um, companies that are successful at creating something beyond that, there are all of these intangible qualities that they they spend a lot of time developing and they put a lot of effort and thought and resources into building those things up. And so those are things that are like emotional benefits. So like you may want to use, you know, this product may make you feel better about yourself, or it may be connected to a cause that's really important to you, or it may sort of spotlight people that are doing cool things, or it may um, champion, you know, a sort of belief system or or whatever. Could yeah. just be more creative and more fun and have a, a sense of humor. And all of those things are really, really powerful because that's the way I think people, that's the way, like humans are yeah. wired to to be drawn to, to those things. Yeah. They, and, they, and they're wired to remember those things. And, you know, like people remember the way that you make them feel. And I think that, you know, as a company, you can, uh, or as a, you know, when you're thinking about building a brand, if you can spend some time thinking about, like, what are those, what, what are those intangible qualities that would be true for our company that we could develop? Because the other thing I like to say about brands is that, like, they have to be true. Like, and and I think, you know, today more than ever, like people can sniff out bullshit. Stuff, like, yeah. you know, like yeah. they're really, really good at it. Yeah. And there's a there's a real sense in which authenticity is like currency. And so it's not just about like what could we do that would be cool or would like, you know, position us in a certain way. It's like, what's believable about you? What are the things that like, you know, when you say this is what we're about, that like people will people will trust you and that you can build sort of a build a reputation around. Yeah, I feel like it's it's almost people make emotional decisions about their life all the time and then they rationalize them. Yeah. And what to what you were saying earlier, um, even if you're B2B, the Bs are full of consumers. Yeah. Like and you know, I've talked to tons of companies who are uh, they they say like, well, we're a boring business. So we can't make videos, like they're not we can't make fun stuff. Yeah. And it's like, well, what do you think your customers are doing at night? Yeah, they're watching Netflix. Yeah, like they're watching Amazon Prime. They're watching Mailchimp presents. Like, yeah. they're spending time with entertainment. They want to be entertained, mm-hmm. um, and it's just one of those things that when you turn that switch on, it's, I, I feel like it's almost like magical because there's so much opportunity because so few people actually take the approach of we're going to try and actually affect people, get them to feel something with those intangibles, yeah. which are of course what we value as mm-hmm. as a society and value yeah. in our time. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And and I really think that you could take any business and find 
real tangible, like intangible value in in there. Yeah. I mean, and it might take some work and you may have to dig around and you may have to spend some time sort of, uh, you know, doing some archaeological <laughs> sort yeah, of exploration, studies, yeah. but it's, but it's in there. And, yeah. I, and I think that like part of it is like what's true for you yeah. and what could be sort of special about you. But it's also like who is your customer or who is your audience, your target audience, and what do they care about? And why do they like, and finding that sort of marriage of the things that are like uniquely special about you and like serving the people that you want to serve. And yeah. like you can't just take a, you know, even if like you're a whatever, a security company and you don't necessarily want to say we're going to go out and like make this entertainment platform that's like you know, <laughs> yeah. for broad appeal. Like maybe, maybe you focus on the people who are like close into your product and maybe, you know, sort of maybe a little bit outside it or people who are sort of influencing decisions about your product. And like there's, there's I just think that there's really interesting creative territory for any business if they can understand sort of who they are and what makes them special and how, like, what are the different sort of spokes off of sort of their core business? And then, like, who's their audience and what do they, what do they care about? And yeah. how could you serve them in, in, in different ways that connect emotionally? Yeah, I totally agree. So back to the ads. So MailChimp has done a huge amount of advertising. I would guess you have a somewhat sizable marketing budget. I know that it's been reported that this year MailChimp is projected to do $700 million in revenue. If I'm right, yeah. So the significant budget, a lot of ads. Like, how did you? What does success for advertising look like? Like when you've done the Be Yourself campaign, like what is what is what does that look like to you all? When you yeah. you know you're doing it to build brand awareness, yeah. To build brand affinity, to build that connection in people's minds. Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Well, there's different. I guess there's different purposes for different types of advertising, right? So like, there's there's the type of advertising that you do just to create awareness like you're trying to reach people who have never heard of you before and our objective with that layer of advertising is just to you know have a first touch with people so that they know they like get our, they they hear our name they even know and the they name. yeah they know yeah. the name and they have some sort of positive association with it like that's the that's the whole job yeah um, and if we can get them and then you know that there's other types that are like about consideration and and so they get to be more product focused, and then you go all the way down to like we're you know we're we want you to sign up and pay us. Yeah. And so sometimes you have a campaign where like you have all of that happening in the same campaign, and there's all these these different touch points, and you go from big broad awareness like you know linear TV or billboards or whatever all the way down into like okay sign up and use our product. With the the campaign you're talking about specifically, that was just about awareness and our objective with that campaign was really to sort of be MailChimp and do all do something like we had always done but just on a way bigger scale to a much bigger audience and sort of like introduce ourselves to the world you know we were already famous in sort of the tech world we were already famous with small businesses but we wanted to be famous like in culture and so that was the objective is like you know be MailChimp on a bigger stage and so we, I mean, it was tremendously impactful. I mean, it it raised traffic to our website like tremendously. I think like thirty five percent, and it just stayed there. Like wow. it was like a like a new shelf. It just boom. Now we're on a we're now we're on another level, and um, it was it, it ended up also being impactful for conversion as well. But it was um, the goal was like just 
create awareness and affinity for, for, um, for MailChimp and make people talk about us and, and love us. And it was also creatively super successful. I mean, one of the, one of the things for us has always been going back to the idea of the word of mouth marketing and like finding people who will be sort of advocates or, you know, influential in growing your business. The creative world, you know, designers, developers, the, the people who help small businesses when they're getting started yeah. are really important to us. And they may never, they may never use our products, but their friend who's starting a coffee yeah. shop or they're whatever. The person, they're, their friend yeah. is always going to go to yeah. them yeah. and yeah. say, so how should I do this? Yeah. Can you help me? Please yeah. come in. Yeah. I'll give you some free tacos. Yeah. So the people who are always being asked favors, <laughs> yeah. we want those people to totally. think really highly of us so yeah. that they can recommend us or they can install us. And the thing about those people is that they are like very discerning and they're like pretty immune to advertising. Like, <laughs> and so <laughs> you have to do something really, really special and creative and artful and truthful in order to get their attention. And so for us, um, that's always been a big part of our formula is like we have to make something that's really um, sort of like impactful and memorable but creatively, it has to be really, really special because we're trying to reach people who sort of have a pretty high bar in terms of like, you know, creativity. It's cool. Yeah. Tell me about Mailchimp Presents. So Mailchimp Presents is a, a relatively new initiative at Mailchimp to make um, original content to sort of inspire and delight and um, motivate small businesses. Mailchimp has a mission to empower small businesses and to help them grow. And we've always done that with software, obviously. Um, and we evolved from being an email tool to being an all-in-one marketing platform where businesses can sort of do all of their marketing. And so content became sort of a next step in that evolution for us to say like, well, we can, we can make tools to help people grow. But like a lot of these businesses, you know, there are other ways that we can and, you know, we can empower them and we can motivate them. We can inspire them. You know, a lot of them, a lot of our customers are super small and they are not, like, they're definitely not professional marketers, a yeah. lot of them. And they don't spend uh, time thinking about it. Yeah, marketing. they don't think yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, but they know they need to do it. Yeah. And so they, they're looking for things to, to sort of make them feel like they're not alone. I mean, it's very emotional journey. There's lots of very high highs mm -hmm. and very low lows. It can be really isolating. And so we felt like, let's make some stuff that doesn't just profile people. You know, I think there's lots of content in the world that's like, you know, small business profile, yeah. here's how so-and-so made $100 million. Yeah. What we wanted to do with this content was we wanted to tell stories about what it feels like to be an entrepreneur. Okay. For that small, yeah. for that small business. Yeah. So I'm just trying to get myself yeah. in the mindset, but you're a restaurant, yeah. you're Taqueria Del Sol. Yeah. And they're busy and they've got their business, um, but there are ups and downs probably, or maybe not for them. That's not a good example. They're only <laughs> it's ups all, for, up. all ups for them. Yeah. You're not them and yeah. you want to be them. Yeah. And there's a lot of, there's an emotional roller coaster that small businesses are on and they're not often sitting with someone next mm -hmm. to them. Yeah. And so it's like trying yeah. to be that person basically on the roller yeah. coaster. Yeah. And just, and just tell stories that speak to that experience. So, I mean, there's like, you know, so we have themes about like, you know, feeling like an imposter or, you know, staying true to yourself, finding your voice, um, you know, f failure, like yeah. totally blowing it and then like putting the pieces back together. Like those are, that's like really interesting and rich territory for storytelling. And it also is like super uh, relevant and speaks to 
the experience of the people that we that are our customers. That's very cool. Yeah. And so give me some sense of scale. How much content is in there now? Where where are you going with that? Yeah, so we have, uh, I think, uh, eight different series or podcasts, uh, documentaries that we've launched today. We are on track to launch a couple every month for the next, at least for the, I mean, the plan is for us to, this to go on forever. So like wow. we, we, made an, we made a commitment when we started, like, that this is not just an experiment or we're going to try a show and see how it works. We, we decided fundamentally that like it's really expensive to keep doing advertising at the scale that we're doing it. It's frustrating that the minute that we stop paying for it, it goes away. It's frustrating that the only way to get in front of people is to interrupt them. And so like let's just change the whole thing. Like we're still gonna, we're still gonna advertise, like we're still gonna do all of the fundamentals to grow the business. But like we're going to take most of what we've invested in brand advertising and we're going to put it into this content that is more durable, that lasts longer, it's intellectual property, there's lots of cool things that happen with that, but it also creates a different relationship with our customers. It's way more relevant to more people more of the time. So like, unlike an ad, a, a podcast episode is a thing that like, suddenly MailChimp is a relevant brand for someone when they're washing their dishes or they're like driving to work. Yeah. And it's not just when they are done, you know, like... It's not the 30 seconds in the podcast that they're going to maybe skip. Yeah. Unless you had the best creative world. It's the whole thing. Yeah. And so where before, like, MailChimp was relevant when they needed to send an email or buy an ad. Yeah. And then they're done. Now MailChimp is relevant, like, potentially throughout their entire day. Yeah. And also more relevant to more people. So, like, the ads maybe, you know, if they're really, really good, you know, they might be interesting to people who are considering MailChimp or may who are just, like... Uh, you know, or whatever, into good creative. But like, you know, a podcast episode about, you know, Glennon Doyle meeting her wife is like, I mean, that's relevant to like lots of people. And it's a really powerful story. And it has this deep resonance emotionally that not just connects to a life experience, but it connects to the feeling of like a a lot of the feelings that entrepreneurs experience too. So, yeah. So it's almost like what you've done is you've taken, you know, this it's in a weird way, it's like actually back to where you were in the beginning. Because you're like, in the beginning, how do we be different? We yeah. gotta be different. If we wanna compete at this scale, you're not losing hundreds of millions of dollars to do it. Yeah. It's quite the opposite. Yeah. So you're like, all right, we're gonna be different in our in who our brand is and who we talk to, and we're gonna take risks and we're gonna be weird. Yeah. And now you're looking, it seems like you're facing a similar kind of challenge at a much larger scale. Well, if we want to keep scaling, think about how much money we're going to spend on advertising is going to disappear. Mm-hmm. So instead, we're going to build something durable and lasting. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to be the part that interrupts your story. We're going to be the story. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're doing. That's, that's awesome. A, that's a good summary. It's, it's so cool. I mean, yeah. I think it's seeing what you all are doing and the speed that you're doing it yeah. from the outside is incredibly impressive. Yeah. yeah. And the diversity of content that you have. I mean, the... There's been podcasts that you put out, and a week later, there's a conversation here, and there's like four people in the room have listened to the whole series, you know? Yeah. And it's happening really quickly. Yeah. 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 I mean, I would say that it's, it, I love that it, it feels like it's happening quickly to, to you. To us, it feels like it's taken a really long time and it's a ton of work. Yeah. And we were very careful about waiting to turn this faucet on until we felt like we could kept it, keep, keep it, it on. Yeah. So, like, we had, I mean, it's been at least, 18 months, probably closer to like 20, 22 months since when we started thinking about this and working on it for real. Yeah. And so, I mean, we we launched our first series in January of this year, and then we released our podcast, I think it was in April maybe, and then we had our, 
like our formal launch in June. But we but we were very careful about saying like this is this is a long term commitment. We want to we want to not only make great content, but we also want to train behavior. So we want people to see Mailchimp as not just doing a cool show here and there, but we want to create this behavior that they're going to come back and find they're something new. They're going to actually check. And so in order yeah. to do that, we not only have to like make make some content, we have to have a whole have pipeline yeah. that includes like development and you know, pitching and all of like all the way through production and post-production and then the release schedule and launch and, and marketing. Like it's a giant operation that we've been working on for a long time. And so now that we've launched, it's really cool and it's exciting to me that people are like, holy shit, like they, yeah. they're going really fast. Yeah. Well, we're like, well, we've been like cranking the, you know, priming this engine yeah. for a long time a lot to of make content. it to make it look fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um so you've really you're like building a studio. Effectively, yeah, and it's almost like you've taken your budget from advertising to building a studio. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, and then how do you look at success for this? Like, what are the things? I know these are very long-term investments, yeah. and yeah. what you're describing is a big vision. Mm-hmm. But like short-term, what do you look at that makes you feel like, yep, this is this is working or yeah. it's not working? Yeah, well, there are um, there's lots of different things that we're thinking about. One is the like going back to the idea of like tangible and intangible like on the sort of intangible side like we aspire to be the greatest small business brand in the world and to be loved and inspiring and just like an amazing brand and so there's lots of those kind of metrics that we're looking at is like how can we make people feel like mailchimp is just, connection connection yeah, to mailchimp like a strength strong, and a connection yeah positive connection to mailchimp yeah but there are also lots of other sort of more quantitative and analytical things that we look at too and like we want people to spend more time with Mailchimp we want this content to to drive behavior inside our products and so it's still super early days but we would i mean our our bet is that making content like this will actually you know make people stay with Mailchimp longer it will like reduce churn it will make their average monthly spend go up their average monthly time with us go up like it will it will actually have like really tangible like business benefits for us, and I think and we've already seen that in the first few months. Like, the um, people who engage with this content are 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 paying us more quickly, and when they pay us, they pay us more money, which is just like completely mind blowing. Like we that we, is we wanted yeah. that to happen. Like, and we and we you know we were expecting that to happen at some point, but I mean, from like <laughs> the minute we launched the first thing in. January with like no promotion, like we were starting to notice that people who actually engaged with this content were behaving differently than other people. So you're saying, just to make sure I got it, because it's kind of mind blowing what you're saying. You're saying like the content that you're putting out there that is, you know, the trade show show, all of these different things, which are, none of them are about the MailChimp product at all. Nothing close, right? Yeah. Pretty far out. They're about the feeling that your customers have. Yeah. Giving them like the person sitting next to them on the roller coaster. Yeah. That that content is actually affecting their connection to Mailchimp in such a way that when they are trying the product, they are buying faster, spending more, trusting it more. Like you can actually see that. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, it really. Is. That's crazy, yeah. right? Like it's amazing. It's the fact that you. Can, I mean, I feel like that's the type of thing that you and I could like be talking over coffee. And you'd say, like, I think this is happening. And I would say, yeah, I would, say that, I would think that's happening too. Yeah. But the fact that you have any data at all that shows that is just remarkable given the fact that the first thing came out in January. Yeah, it's super, it's super exciting. And I mean, 
we, I mean, it were, it's still like super early days. Like we put together this platform for all of it to live on, but we're still learning. I mean, all of the content we've made to date is just, we're shooting in the dark. Like we're like, listen, I think that we're just gonna try a bunch of things. So we don't know what's gonna hit. And so our strategy has been just like make a bunch of different things and like, and we'll learn along the way. And yeah. so eventually we will have enough data to say, okay, whatever people, you know, podcasts are performing like twice as good as scripted series and, or, or whatever. And so, yeah. or this type of content or this format is like really, really effective. And so we're going to, we'll spend more money and, you know, like we'll begin to use data to make creative decisions, but we're not, we're not there yet. So far it's just been like, let's put some things out and, and learn along the way. And our scripted stuff has actually been, has like done really well, which is, Surprising to me because yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't think that would be the case. I mean, I, yeah. I like our scripted stuff, but it's, that seems like the riskier stuff. Yeah, because it's, it's not like you risky. and me sitting down. People yeah. know who you are, so they're listening yeah. or watching yeah. because of that. Yeah. It's like no us acting yeah. something. It's, yeah, no, it seems pretty it's, risky. Yeah, it's riskier in every way. I mean, it's yeah. it's more expensive. It takes longer. The the creative bar is so much higher, especially for comedy. Like, I mean, it was like. <laughs> yeah. I was really nervous to even try. I was just like, I just, I don't know. I think this is going to be, <laughs> it's going to be hard. But like, but yeah, I'm, I'm proud of what we've done so That's far. So cool. People seem to really like it. Yeah. It's really fun to watch. Like, it's fun to see all the stuff that you're coming out with. It's fun to see the diversity of the content and the depth that you're going to and the risks that y'all are taking. Because I do think it is, uh, at least to me, it feels familiar mm -hmm. in a totally different way. You know, it's yeah. like a similar feeling to the early days of, you know, I remember logging into MailChimp and it popping up and be like, we're going to give you a shirt. And I was like, that's what? That felt was such a delight. Like, it felt so cool yeah. to get a MailChimp shirt. Yeah. I wore that thing around and people would stop me. Yeah. You know MailChimp too? Yeah. Like, in the early days, it felt like such a risk to yeah. give someone, like, a yeah. physical good in that yeah. way. And it, and it feels similar in a totally different way. Yeah. You know, it's so cool. Yeah, I mean, I just think that it is really similar. And, and the shirts are a great example of a thing that's, like, not they're not expensive, you know, like, yeah. I mean, you can do that on a pretty small scale and, and you can sort of design a little campaign or whatever in a way that's like, can be super cost effective. And then for us, quality was always our currency. Yeah. It was like, how do we give away a shirt? Like a shirt's a thing that like, whatever, every, every shirt. SaaS yeah. company yeah, 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 does, yeah. you know, and it became a thing that was like really popular. We were pretty early on. Yeah. And our thing was always like, if we're going to make a shirt, like let's make the best shirt we possibly Best can and like shirt, let's yeah. yeah and so let's like 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 source a really good blank shirt let's like let's use ink that's gonna you know fade really nicely over time let's design it in a way that's like not just our logo but that someone would actually wear and not feel like they're you know standing a product or whatever like yeah. that they feel like this is a i actually like this shirt yeah and i mean those are those are all creative decisions that end up making creating that experience that you had, which is like, holy shit, this is, this is nice. Like, I, I didn't expect this. It's also funny because the wrong creative decision is there. It's just another shirt. Yeah. It's got to actually, you got you to gotta look at those hard things that most people aren't paying attention to to make it great, right? Yeah, well, and that's, I mean, that's what I find really exciting and fun about this work is like, anyone can make a shirt. So like, how could you do, what could you do differently? And, it, and sometimes it's just changing it like two or three degrees. Just like, you know, use water-based ink instead of acrylic and like suddenly like the shirt is gonna like 
actually be really nice over time or or like you know spend a little bit more time thinking about where the shirt where you get the shirt or who designs it or whatever like it doesn't have to be like oh, i've got to go hire a whole creative team and i've got to like you know it's you know just like sometimes making just being a little bit more thoughtful and changing something by two or three degrees can have like really impactful repercussions on just the, the overall experience of the thing. You said that you've taken your whole like brand awareness budget to put it into this content. Is it really like 100% or did you take 80% or 30%? Like is, yeah. What percentage of the budget did you take to put towards this enduring content? I mean, almost all of it. Wow. Well, for the, for the I mean, we have different, it's not like our whole marketing budget, yeah. but the part of our budget that is investing in our brand it's almost all of it. Wow. And and I would I guess I would also separate and say that that budget is split into the production of the content and then the marketing of the content. So one thing that's different about this content is that, you know, previously we used that budget to advertise Mailchimp. Yeah. Now the content we're making has become a product of Mailchimp. And so we not only have to make the content, but we yeah, have yeah. to now we have to advertise mm. the content. So so now we have a, an advertising budget to promote the, the content. content. But it's all around the brand. Yeah. And when you, what have you, what's been your experience so far with promoting the content? How is that compared to promoting MailChimp? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> one thing that's amazing about it is that it, the opportunity for earned media and like press is just insane. I mean, we have gotten so much publicity about this. I mean, first of all, just that we're doing it. Like, yeah. it's, it's novel, and yeah. people think that that's interesting, which is cool. But then when you make shows that feature, you know, talent or feature, you know, production partners that are really, you know, interesting or popping, like, suddenly, like, people are really talking about it. And then, you know, if you have a show that's got, you know, six episodes, and every episode is, is a, a, a different... Um, like we have this show called The Jump right now. It's a podcast. Uh, Shirley Manson is a host. And and so she interviews a different musician every week. And everyone, so like there's, you know, there, we get press like we're making this podcast. Then Shirley talks about how she's doing the podcast and her entire audience now knows about it. Yeah. Then she interviews Big Boy and yeah. now his, his whole audience yeah. knows about it's it. And so wild. it's like this amazing like cultural resonance and the the impact, like without having to spend any money at all, like you just are like, suddenly Mailchimp is making things that are relevant in culture. Yeah, it's a, it's like a view into the media machine, right? Yeah. We live in this world where media is so good at getting people's attention and figuring out what their yeah. interests are and yeah. giving them content, and you all like really turning into a studio. It's like that moment when you're you're seeing that, mm -hmm. like oh, actually these people all have individual audiences. Yeah, you combine some of them together, put them in yeah. different ways. And you don't even have to think about it that way. What yeah. actually matters is the stories, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just so, it's very interesting to see you already. I mean, again, pretty quick. Yeah. From my perspective, it's like yeah. the fact that you're already getting there where it's like, you must be looking at the hopper of stuff coming up, getting even more excited. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, within two days of, of launching the, the Jump, that podcast, it was number one in the music category in iTunes, which is, I mean, just my... That's like, like a dream... Yeah. Like, if anyone ever was yeah. number one in that, yeah. it seems like that would be a dream yeah. come true. It was amazing. Yeah. And um, it's, and I, I would also say, though, that, like, advertising is still really important. So while we, it's been this amazing sort of halo effect you get from, you know, using talent and doing things that are newsworthy, it also demands that we sort of, like, that we promote it. And, and especially because we want to use this content to reach people who have never heard of MailChimp. Yeah. You know, like, we're not going to, I, there's a better chance that they'll hear about it 
just through word of mouth, but like we still need to we still need to get it in front of people. So we want people to join the yeah. audience, yeah. right? And yeah. who care about this content, make their way through it. And then yeah. that hopefully for a lot of people, yeah. this will be their first time even connecting with MailChimp. Yeah. And so uh, our again, our bet is that like this by introducing MailChimp to people in this way, as opposed to showing them an ad, you know, a pre-roll ad on YouTube that's like, here are all the things you can do with the yeah. marketing platform, which those are also really important ads. But this, like, this is a a first impression with MailChimp that is really different. And our bet is that it's way more, it's way stickier. Like it's more impactful, it's more meaningful. It's more personal. And, yeah, and it's more personal. And when they when they get to the point that they're like, uh, you know, they're needing something like MailChimp or they, they have a friend who is talking about how they need to figure out how to do ads on Facebook, like MailChimp will be, we will have pre-wired MailChimp to be in that conversation in a way that's different than any anyone else that we would be competing yeah. with. Yeah, I can imagine that. Like two people sitting there, the small business owner is saying, you know, I think I need to update my website. I think I need, you know, new landing pages. Should I be advertising stuff? Should I be, you know, I'm not really using my email list. And that someone's like, oh, you should probably use MailChimp. I'm like, oh yeah. I listen to all of the, you know, I listen to the jump. Yeah. I listen to this. And suddenly it's like likelihood of them actually check out MailChimp is probably yeah. 10 times higher in that exact moment if you've if ordained that. Yeah. So you have the series that you've already launched. You have another two coming out each month. How are you making all of this content? Where is this content coming from? It's coming from lots of different places. So we, um, one thing that we learned like immediately when we started down this road is that making original content is completely different than making um, ads. And there's lots of different ways to do it. I mean, you guys do a lot of your own video. We have taken an approach where that's not, I mean, that's not a competency that we have. And so we're working with all different kinds of production partners. And uh, a lot of it involves um, people pitching into us. And so we, we basically spent the last year or so building up this network of partners that would pitch us ideas. And then we work together on on making them. So people so, people are actually pitching you, mm-hmm. like MailChimp, will you fund and distribute my show? If I, like, will, or is that Some of it, yeah. yeah. Well, it, there are a couple different, there's okay. several different scenarios, I okay. should say. One scenario is we go to a production company or a director or, you know, even a talent agency like WME and say, here's, like, we're, we're looking for stories like this. And so we have a whole brief that's, okay. like, about, like, you know, the the formats and the themes and the kinds of things we're looking for. And so then they may go off and then come back to us and say, here's some things we could do, here's some ideas. Okay. Other cases, we'll do something like that, or they'll come to us and say, hey, we have this thing that we've always wanted to do, or we've already started working on it. Would MailChimp be interested in, in buying it or licensing it or co-producing it? There's like so many different scenarios. Yeah. What's been really exciting for us, again, just in the short time that we've been doing this, is that we are already starting to see there's this like cycle that's beginning to happen now where people now see we've been spent we've been talking to people about what we want to do for like 12 months yeah. or whatever. And it sounded good, but nobody had any idea what we were doing. Now we have the platform. People can see the quality of the content and they're like, oh my God, like here are all these things we want to do for you. We have people that we worked with in one way or on one project that are now beginning to come back to us and be like, hey, here's this thing that I've always wanted to do. I think it'd be really cool. And so like, it, it's like now become this thing where 
we're, we're like sort of open for business and people are coming to us with all kinds of ideas. So that's, that's been super, uh, super exciting. We're also licensing content, which is pretty different than probably. Yeah, how does that um, work? What is that, what is that world like? It's cool. I mean, we, we uh, our aspiration has, has been to build a, like a content platform. So there, again, all kinds of different ways to do this. One strategy would be to like make a bunch of content and put it where the people are. So put it on Instagram, put it on YouTube, put it in the places, like just use the content mm -hmm. to, to go and meet people where they are. We decided to take a different approach, partly because we already have a giant audience of like, you know, 20 million people who use MailChimp and we want to keep them, we, we, we'd like to bring them into our experience. And we also want to create a different type of experience. Like we don't want our content to necessarily just be intermingled with YouTube content. We want to create a place where the MailChimp brand is like very, very sort of felt. You don't want like the related videos and yeah. the recommended stuff and the ads. You want total control, basically. Yeah, and we want the re recommended videos to be ours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like what to watch next, like watch some more MailChimp content. And so when we started down this road, we were thinking about using licensed content as a way to build out the library. Okay. So how could we, how could we achieve sort of scale more quickly? It's like the sort of the hardest way to do this is to make everything ourselves, to make everything original, to have like total creative control. You can get a really high quality product, but it like takes forever and it's really expensive and it's really hard. So we're like, okay, so we're going to make some content like that. And then we're going to like, we're going to go out and f there's got to be a lots of content in the world that is like, you know, about these journeys. Like, I mean, it's not, while we do think that there's a white space for MailChimp in terms of like a destination for this kind of content, like it's not the first time this content's ever been made. So I bet we could go out and find things in the world that sort of meet this brief that have already been made. And so when we started thinking about it, it was purely about achieving scale. Okay. And what we learned, which was really surprising and exciting to us, is that we is that the licensed content actually raised the quality of the whole platform because we were able to find really, really amazing, like short films, for example, that were were just like beautiful storytelling, shot beautifully, and they had never found an audience. Like you know, this is something you know, either a young filmmaker or a passion project, or you know, there's just not. A giant market for like for these. Short so you're actually the paying filmmakers. And so, yeah. and so it yeah. works, it's amazing how yeah. well it's working out because yeah. like we're able to pay them to license their content and put them put their film in front of a giant new audience that they never had before, and it benefits us as well. And so we've been able to like we've got I mean lots of licensed content that's coming that's really really that we're super proud of and that I think is going to make the whole platform feel really special. And the fact that it's short form is great too because that's a big part of our approach as well. It's like, you know, for MailChimp, our customers are super busy. They're working all the time. They're thinking about work all the time. We're not trying to be Netflix. We're not trying to, you know, create appointment viewing or like, you know, interrupt them in any mm -hmm. way. Like mm -hmm. we want we want to find ways to sort of slot into their day or into their experience in a way that's just like short, insightful, incisive, and then get out. And so, so short form content really is our sweet spot. So it's been, it's been super cool to figure out. That's so cool. How big is the team that is working on MailChimp Presents? I think there are about eight of us and half of them are working on um, 
the production of the content. So um, content development, content acquisition, production, and then the other half, I mean, this is like three people and three people, yeah. <laughs> are like, uh, are working on marketing. So how do we go to market with these things? What is the launch plan? How do we set up all the social assets we need? Any like activations we may want to do, PR, all that kind of stuff. Cool. And then how do we integrate it into the, the MailChimp experience? Cool. Because we've built this beautiful platform for this content, but we our aspiration is for this to eventually feel like it's all one experience. And so, you know, the entertainment content could be commingled with more educational content, could be commingled with like the actual product itself. Cool. If you had advice for someone who's starting out, who's, you know, MailChimp when you're 15 people, maybe before the free launch. And they're thinking about trying to grow their business. They're trying to. They're thinking about brand. I think it's become more obvious today that brand matters. Like there's just so much competition. It's expensive yeah. and hard to reach people. Like I think brand matters more than ever. What what advice would you give to somebody who's in the early stages of of running a company for how they should think about building their brand? I would say that the. I guess the two things that I like to always say are like understanding yourself and understanding your audience and then being able to like sort of match those things together. So when you look at your own company like and your products and like I think you have to spend some time sort of contemplating like if if we were going to try to develop these intangible qualities mm-hmm. of our brand what would those be and how could we how what are the what are the dimensions where we are different and can stand out in a meaningful way, and also truthful. So if it's if it's different but like not authentic to who you are or to your you know your company or your product or your culture, like it'll be hollow. And if it's like truthful but it's not different, it's like nobody will care. So it has to be both meaningfully different and also authentic. That's like the you side of the equation. And then the other side is like who is your audience? Who are the people that you want to be engaging with? And like what's important to them. And specifically what's important to them in this relationship. So, you know, for MailChimp, like we may have lots of creative customers who are really into uh, sneaker culture or whatever. But like we can't just make a a thing about (laughs) sneakers. We could make a show about, I mean, there are a lot you could imagine a show that would be like that where you could tie all of that together. But like it can't just be about... um, you know what's relevant to them, sort of in their lives. It's like, how do you marry? You have to match those. Yeah, two. you have to match those together. And so, I think that's that's work that is um, it's simple, but it it can be hard. It doesn't require any money, but it does require like some insight. And so that's where I would start. And then once you have sort of a a decent understanding of those elements, then you can begin to think of like, okay, so then how do we how do we act on that? How do we bring that to life? And even if you have like a teeny tiny budget or no budget at all, there are ways that you can, I mean, even just through copy or through the way that you write your website or the way that you run your social feeds, like you could change the way that you talk to people or change the things that you link to or like, you know, there are all kinds of ways that you can begin to sort of reinforce that point of view that can have a big impact without a big a big spend. But if you have some budget, then you can think about what are the formats for bringing that to life that would that would have an impact for your business. And it could be video or podcast, um, but it could also be like, you know, making making cat hats or whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah. 
Mark, thank you so much for being here today. Really enjoyed having yeah, you on Brand Wagon. It was super fun. Yeah. Now go do Enjoy your foraging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.